Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? I'm good, Pam. I'm good. You know, the last episode was really good. I love to hear um, survivor stories, you know, and we just had a good response with um, people telling their story. Every story is so important, and it's important to get your story out. It is, because you never know when someone listening can take a little nugget from your story, and it makes a difference in their lives. Yes, and I think we learn something every time we oh, talk to absolutely. A survivor. There is no question. There's no question. Um, you, you can't learn something and not learn something, right? You right. always take away at least something uh, from these these amazing stories. Yes, and we have another uh, couple to share with. That's you right. right. That's right. So settle in and get ready for this week's stories. Um, no, no stress or no, um, uh, expectations on our, on our guests, but I know they'll be wonderful. So that leads us to our guest today. Uh, someone we've known for quite some time, uh, uh come to a lot of classes, been to a lot of things. Uh, one of our, one of our cheerleaders, you know, yes. Uh, yes, and we love cheerleaders. We do. We do. It, anytime you can have someone be, a, be on your side, obviously, uh, you're winning and that's good. So, Today's guest, we're starting off with Catherine Wedding. Catherine, thank you for joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. Good morning, both of you. And I have to tell you, Pam, I don't know if you know this or not, just a, a really quick short story. I've known Catherine a long time, unbeknownst to me that I, our paths would cross somewhere down the line much later. Uh, when my children were little, we used to make a special occasion, you know, when when maybe they were on a good color at school, mm-hmm. the next morning we would take them to a local restaurant here called the Bagel Place, uh-huh. and they would get their bagels. You know, uh, Bentley was a, a strawberry with strawberry, and Bryson was a blueberry with blueberry. Mm-hmm. You know, super plain. Mm-hmm. But we always met this nice couple there that were always there reading the newspaper, doing the crosswords, um, and having breakfast. And gosh, that was when they were little like Mm -hmm. elementary middle school age and now it's been a few years it's been a very few years and then Catherine I'm sure you remember now as I'm seeing you laughing about that I do I took my first immunotherapy pill at bagel place and everybody in the place toasted us as I chucked that down so I have fond memories they they had a large table it was a large group and I thought that you guys were just retired and but little did I know it was before you know you or Philip would go to work um, and, and Philip was a teacher and to, to go to work. So just a, a little side note there that you never know when your paths are going to recross. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell our listeners, Catherine, about, um, when you were diagnosed and what you were diagnosed with. I was diagnosed in spring of 2017. I had a routine, um, no nothing day surgery and expected to go home when we talk about what are we having for dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. And instead, they said, we found a cancer. Quick testing revealed stage four, grade three kidney cancer. Oh, goodness. And that was five years ago. So I'm now five years clear. Yes. awesome. Wow. So what is something you've learned through your cancer journey that you would like to share with other survivors? One of the things I've learned about the Survivorship Center It's such a blessing that you're with people in all stages of the cancer journey. So when I showed up, I was about 16 weeks out from a massive surgery. 
I was about to start immunotherapy. There were people in everything I did that were newly diagnosed, that had just had surgery, that were in treatment, that were beyond cancer, and a few that were way beyond cancer. Mm -hmm. And I learned that you can do this, and you can get past it, and you can live with cancer and live well. You know, that's the cool thing about this place is that it brings people together in every stages um, in their journey, but and they find a community that they can connect with. Well, and the other thing too, Catherine, as you talked about all these people, I would venture to say there might have been one other who might have had kidney cancer. I mean, you're talking breast cancers, you're talking colon, you're talking everything, prostate, lung, all of those cancers, but yet you received, I, I, and I'm not, I hope I'm not putting words in your in your mouth, but you had uh, maybe um, a little bit of boost or you felt better or you, you know, I can do this. You, you, you gained confidence from those folks. Absolutely. Cancer is cancer and we can help each other out regardless of what's going on. And that's another point just to bring up, you know, Catherine is kind of our, oh, did you know so-and-so, such-and-such, did you know? And and really helping others is where I'm headed with this is because there's always, um, you know, a, um, a donation that's been taken up for, you know, someone in their, they're completed their treatment. Here's, we're doing a donation from the yoga class or we're, do, you know, it, it, you're, you're, you're really, a, a, again, like our biggest cheerleader. So when, when you talk about... Um, going through your treatment and your cancer journey, was there, was there one thing that you could say, wow, that helped me out the most? It's been so many things, but I think the very first thing, <clears throat> excuse me, that I heard when I was diagnosed came from our daughter, Rachel. Mm -hmm. And she told me that night, mom, you are a cancer survivor from the minute you're diagnosed. Yeah. And that's very much part of the philosophy here mm -hmm. and very much reinforced here at the center. Did that, how did that impact you? Was it like, you're right, I am. And this is what's going to happen. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm going to, I'm going to get through this. It's, it's a hurdle. Is that kind of that's a hundred percent it. I, I knew I had great support and I knew that we could do this and it was going to be okay, regardless of how it ran. Yeah. You know, oftentimes we hear survivor and um, a lot of people put five years to that, um, associate with that. But here at the survivorship center, it's not that um, way. It is from the moment you hear those words, you have cancer. Yeah. So if you're listening and uh, make sure that you know that you are a survivor from the moment you are diagnosed and you can partake in anything that we That's do. That's right. Here. That's right. It, it, it's a label. It's a name. Whether, whether you take comfort in that as, as Catherine said she did, it's okay if you don't, you know, you don't associate with survivor, but at the same time, we're going to help you achieve, you know, those goals that you have of, of, of surviving. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So Catherine, when you were first diagnosed, was there something someone said to you that was comforting to you? I think it was that idea of survivorship right from the beginning. So helpful. <clears throat> Excuse me. I heard so many people's stories. On the other hand, I was a little nervous when I came here because I had images of having to go in my first class and say, I'm Catherine and I'm a cancer patient. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm pretty private till sure. I get to know people. And that was not the case at all. I went into an exercise class. People greeted me. We exercised. And as I became uh, more familiar with people, we shared our stories 
but it's not a requirement to come in and participate. Sure. You know, oftentimes um, whenever I meet with patients, I say this is probably the only time you talk about cancer unless you want to talk about it. Exactly right. So yeah. that's kind of the cool thing. And so that that hopefully will put some of our listeners at ease. Um, again, it's not what you consider, you know, the old school high, like you said, I'm Catherine and I'm, I have this cancer and everybody says, Oh, hi, Catherine. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) everybody's super friendly, but it's not that way at all. You know, um, and, and, and you've, you've taken part in a lot of our classes. Yes, I have. And I would be hard pressed to pick a favorite. It's like. But you, but can we ask you for one? I, well, that's like, what is your favorite child? Maybe for our listeners, which one would you say to start out with? I started with the yoga class. And bear in mind, I was not too far out from surgery. I also showed up with a 75% torn rotator cuff that there was no way we could address at the time with treatments starting. Yeah. And I have never gone into a yoga class where I didn't leave feeling better than when I came in. The instructor and the people in the class are amazing. They're my tribe. Yeah. You know, Olivia just has that voice, that calming voice that just makes you feel so good. She does. But there's no question she does. Yeah. Absolutely. I have to say that I have used so many other services in addition to exercise. I've done oncology massage, counseling nutrition, education, every podcast I've listened to, and I think we're close to number 100. And something that's fairly new at the center for Philip, we used amazing end-of-life services from here when he died on Easter Sunday in 2021. Yeah, I want to give you a second to talk about Philip. And um, tell our listeners about Philip, if you would. Philip was diagnosed with bladder cancer, which eventually went to the brain. We were so fortunate that I had cancer and he was my strong caregiver. And then when I was well and on my feet, he had cancer and I was his caregiver. So I want to stress that here, the center, (coughs) excuse me, is for both cancer patients, survivors, and their caregivers. Mm -hmm. And almost every activity we have is open to both together or one or the other. That's right. So for those that are listening, Philip is Catherine's husband, um, if you didn't catch on. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should have said that. Uh, but he's just Philip to us, yeah, right? Yeah, he's he, just he, he was just Philip to That's us. That's right. We were a two-teacher family and a two-cancer family. Mm-hmm. And a unique situation that was very hard. Yes, yes. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often where it's a, a, a spouse, and both spouses have, have cancer roughly on about the same time. Exactly. It was very close to each, each of you guys. Um, and, and, uh, yeah. And, and I, I remember, you know, uh, hearing when, when Philip passed and, and the way you put it was so eloquently, you know, on Easter Sunday and, uh, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, um, yeah, you know, we do have all of these things that you mentioned, the counseling and the exercise and the, and the classes. And then we also make available, um, end of life planning and end of life, uh, services, and, um, you know, I know that that was important for you guys. And um, we, we want to let everyone know, you know, that we definitely have that. Also, another good thing to think about, too, is go back and listen to our podcast we did with Dr. Randy Stewart on um, hospice and palliative care. That's another uh, important piece Excellent. Um, at, yes. at that time, uh, if that time is necessary. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I will say that our end of life counselor, Melanie, came to our house 
Uh, she gave Philip a final oncology massage in the last week of his life. And we arranged that when he passed, that she would come to our house. And it was late in the night of Easter Sunday. And she helped me wash and anoint his body yeah. before we surrendered him to the funeral home. Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. Well, that's 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 a blessing. And uh, we, we appreciate you sharing your story uh, with our survivors, and uh, we appreciate what you do here at the center. And I know uh, you're about to run off and go to a class, so going we, to we, yoga. We won't keep you. <laughs> we won't keep you any longer. So thank you, uh, Catherine, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you, Pam and Ryan. Pam, our next guest is uh, one that um, I've learned a couple of things from him along the way here. It's fascinating to talk to him every time he comes to the center because he has a story to tell. And I used to work w previously with his wife. Oh, that's a small uh, world. Very small world. I did not realize that until I heard his last name, and I was like, wait a minute, yep, put, it, <laughs> put two and two together. So uh, our, our guest is Mark Rhea, and uh, really glad to have you today being on the podcast, Mark. And let's just jump right in and, and talk about the type of cancer you have and when you were diagnosed. Well, I had a malignant tumor in my rectum, and uh, that was in January of 2021. And then the whole year until December 30th was my last chemo treatment. So the whole year I was in treatment. So it's uh, it lasted quite some time just being the tr surgery and treatment. Yeah. A year is a long time to go through treatment. It is, and it's, uh, it's a recovery every time. You know, it, the longer it lasts, I think the longer the recovery is. Yes. So, Mark, um, what is something you've learned through your cancer journey that you'd like to share to our listeners? I would like to share the uh, side effects because when you go and you start having treatments, whatever it is, they usually have you read something that tells you all the medical side effects, and you agree to it, and you sign it, and okay, and... I used to tell the pharmacist at my treatment center that I signed up for side effects, but really not all of them. <laughs> and then there's also so many more side effects that aren't on that sheet of paper. There's issues with transportation and issues with lodging and issues with mobility. And so many people have so many different things happening to them, and maybe they have to travel, maybe they have to go so far and stay the night or stay longer at a location. And that's the unspoken side effects that I think cancer survivors live through and, and live through every day from then on. So. You know, cancer is um, something of the gift that keeps on giving with yeah. all the side effects, which is unfortunate, you know. It is. And that's why we have some of the programs that here at the Survivorship Center to help with those side effects. Yes. It, you know, um, it sounds funny sometimes, Pam, when you say, I know you have this, but have you ever thought about this exercise class? Because it really does help. And they kind of look at you like, you, what? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. The, uh, every one of our classes um, has an evidence-based backing of it, of how it helps uh, either deal with side effects or uh, memory or uh, fatigue, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Now, now our fun classes are not evidence-based. <laughs> <laughs> we just have fun. We just have fun. We just have fun, which I know, Mark, you came to the glass blowing uh, class and uh, yeah, made, yeah, a, made a cool looking bowl. Yes. And the longer that I 
come to the facility here, the more I try, the more I'm willing to put myself out there. Some of it has to do with how I feel at the time, mm. but there's been so many benefits other than, uh, you know, just the things I've already tried. There's many more things on the list that I want to be willing to try and take full advantage of it. Sure, sure. Um, and you may have already kind of touched on this, but our next question is, uh, what's one resource that's helped you the most? If you could put your finger on something that's helped you, what, what would that be? I really think it was both of my surgeons that I had, and they're still so involved with my care, and they're so straightforward and and so caring. Mm -hmm. And it's not just their hands and their healing, but it's their staff as well. And I get a, I get a, I think I get a better healing experience living in the smaller town of Canyon because uh, my surgeon is affiliated with the medical clinic that I go to in the same town. Mm -hmm. So I, I immediately got good care from the two facilities that I needed there, and it continues now. Good. You know, oftentimes we don't talk about um, finding that right physician. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's important to connect with your physician um, through treatment to make sure that you can communicate to them and they can communicate back to you. And, and we've talked about this too, Pam, where um, you as a patient, as a survivor, kind of really, you may not feel this way, but you really do kind of hold the cards mm -hmm. um, or you should hold the cards. Um, if you don't connect and you don't feel right, get a second opinion. Right. And if you don't feel right about that, it's okay to ask for another opinion. Um, now, of course, if you're, if you're getting the same answer, but you don't like it and you want to find one, that <laughs> that's a different story. It's not like, go ask dad. Yeah, go if mom says, mom. oh, gosh, I, yeah, boy, I, we could all probably talk about that. But, uh, you know, having that connection with your physician and communicating with your physician, the medical team, your staff, their staff, and so forth. It's huge. It's very key. Um, now I have to – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I have to say this, but I'm going to jump in really quick and change the subject really fast because, Pam, I don't know if you know this about Mark. Um, and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time to hear Mark share this. Did you know Mark used to be a hot air balloon pilot? You know, that's one of the many stories he, <laughs> I've had the privilege of. Oh, you had, you knew that. Listening. Yeah, he even brought me a little uh, button that I'm going to treasure forever, but hot air balloons fascinate me, and that's one of my to-do lists. Um, my to-do list is to go up on a hot air balloon. I get it. It's fascinating, um, but I can't, I don't think I can do the heights. <laughs> I'm not a heights fan, especially in something like that that's, um well, you need to talk to him a little bit longer, and then you'll find out the trick. <laughs> oh, there's a trick. There's yes, a trick. yes. Well, so, Mark, when you were first diagnosed, what is something that comforted you? Maybe something that somebody did or somebody something somebody said. This is, uh, uh, you may think this is a bit of a strange answer, but when I started my chemo the first time before my surgery, Going to the infusion suite at the treatment center was so comforting because the staff there were so quiet and so reassuring and, and spoke so calmly and explained everything so thoroughly and would tell you how long you have to be there and how long before you have to come back. And some of it was pretty precise hour-wise and, and the medicines you were getting. And still to this day, I feel the same way just about even going in there to get a 
blood sample or my port flushed or it's so calm being in there although there could be two dozen people in six or eight staff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a, it's a calm place for me though that makes perfect sense yeah um we've talked about soothing voices we've talked about calming voices um some of our folks that work for us here uh, in our classes and so forth. But yeah, if someone, it's all in how it's presented, right? If someone comes in and they're uh, too upbeat and really loud and crazy, you know, yeah, you're not going to feel so, so terribly good. Or I, uh, I'm pretty much against a, a provider or others that, I, that care for me now having uh, any sense of hurry or urgency. Yeah. It's a little more scary at that point. Sure. So Mark, for our listeners, um, we want you to tell, if you could pick one class that you've come to here at the center, what class would you recommend to come or activity that you've done? I think the thing I've gotten the most out of is I've learned an awful lot from my uh, personal counseling. And then the second choice, of course, would be the support group mm-hmm. that's given me a, a lot of connections with other survivors. Yeah. It's um, mental health comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think you just heard it from Taylor, um, our, our previous guest. Right. Um, and mental health comes up a lot. But then also um, the, the support group. I love our support group. It's so it's fun to hear all the laughter, um, you know, all the, the, the things that go on. And, and um, it, it's a very healing atmosphere. Oh, it is. And the more you know the people, the, the more you learn from them either personal experience or general experiences. Yes. Some of them have been going for such a longer period of time than myself. They can even offer more insight than people who are newer to it, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, We love it every time that you come to the center, and we look forward to that phone call um, when you ask me about the keys. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I'll bring you a couple hundred of them to try. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Pam, our next guest joining us on today's podcast is uh, Bonnie Harkins. Bonnie, thanks for joining us. Uh, We appreciate you coming on to talk about your story. Would you share with our listeners uh, the type of cancer and the year you were diagnosed? I have what's called hemangiopericytoma, and it's a very aggressive brain tumor. Um, it's a type of soft tissue tumor, and I was originally diagnosed with a brain tumor in uh, July of 2012, but they told me it was a meningioma, not cancer, um, no treatment necessary, just follow-up. So two years later, my tumor came back, and that's when that was like, oops, it's cancer. It was cancer all along. Yeah. It's just very difficult to diagnose, and you have to have a very special stain for it. And our cancer center at the time, this is out in California, didn't have that stain. And my doctor had sent me up to San Francisco for surgery, and they looked at my initial pathology and found out it was cancer all along. So I say I was diagnosed in July of 2012 and November of 2014. D- uh, almost a two diagnosis. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So, Bonnie, what is something you've learned through your cancer journey that you would like to share with our survivors? Um, it, it doesn't sound positive, but I will never stop fearing that I have, a, you know, can have a recurrence at any time. 
Um, it could just every time I have an MRI, I go through that period of sick to my stomach, nervous, can't sleep. Starts about two weeks before the MRI, and it's not over till I see the doctor. And it's just something that I know I'm going to live with, and I've accepted it. But at first, it was very difficult. But now it's just something that I live with. I just know that when I have my MRI, I'm going to be nervous. Do you do anything coming up, leading up to the MRI, um, mentally, emotionally, physically? Just try to keep busy. And um, my hobby right now is jigsaw puzzles mm. and it's like out of sight out of mind if sure. i can focus on something else yep. i don't think about it as much but if i think about it i get scared um if i don't think about it i'm happy it's that mental escape yeah yes. yeah absolutely um i know you've you came to have have attended several of our classes that were the fun activities that we do and uh those are kind of what we designed to be mental escapes as well yeah I love them. Uh, my cancer center I came from, I had worked there for, well, 30 years or more. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have any of these types of activities. And it's so different. Yes. Um, I love it. Awesome. Yes. So if you could put your finger on one resource that's really helped you out the most while you've gone through your journey here, what, what would you think that would be? Well, here, I think it's having all the different classes and meeting the other survivors. When I was first diagnosed, the nurse navigator, um, yes. that was it. You know, if I had any questions, uh, if I was confused about something, I'd contact them. Um, so when I came here, that was really scared. Like, what am I going to do now? Right. So I found, you know, the cancer center, found my doctor and then they hooked me up with the survivorship center. Yeah, navigators make all the difference in the world while you're going through treatment. Right. Especially right off the bat. We're and I know that here in, in Amarillo we're blessed to have the navigators we have. Yes. So Bonnie, when you were first diagnosed, was there something that someone said that was comforting to you? Um, I remember after I completed my radiation um, therapy, this was my second diagnosis. The first one was a piece of cake. And the second one, when it was actually cancer, um, I just assumed that as soon as my six weeks of radiation was over, I'd be back to work. And I'm a workaholic, or I was a workaholic while I was working. And my radiation doctor told me that um, to take time off, treat myself. Um, I had the advantage of having sick time. And she said so many of her patients are get thrown right back into the rat race again. Mm -hmm. So um, I just learned to take time for myself and you know, look out for me and went shopping, went to Macy's. I have never been to Macy's during the daytime. And I <laughs> had an appointment at the perfume counter and stuff and mm -hmm. a makeup counter and just did stuff for me. Yeah. So it was all about me. And I had never done that before. So if I hadn't heard that from her, I probably would have just gone right back to work and you know, yeah. been like always. It, it, it's very important. Um, nowadays, uh, that is bundled under the word self-care. Mm -hmm. yes. And of course, it, it, that's the buzzword, right, is self-care. So making sure that you take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you can't do all the things. I know we've talked about this before. You can't do all the things you need to do if, if you're not in a good place. And so uh, practicing good self-care is, is very, very key. Schedule that time for you. Schedule time for you. 
That's right. And what I do, and I schedule stuff on my phone for myself. Yes, <laughs> yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing, <laughs> wrong, nothing wrong with it at all. <laughs> well, Bonnie, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, we know that our listeners um, have enjoyed it. And um, we just encourage you to come and find your mini escape here at the center. That's hey, right. Thank you. Thank you. Pam, our next guest is uh, someone that, that I'm very interested in learning about because um, – Someday she'll be a doctor. Yes. And I just Hopefully learned. Hopefully soon. I just learned that. I just learned that. So uh, our guest now is uh, Taylor Hoos. Taylor, how are you? I'm doing great today. Good, good. Well, let's talk real quick. Uh, what type of cancer um, do you have in the year of your diagnosis? Yeah. So I am 27 years old. I was diagnosed when I was 26. Actually, the week of my 26th birthday was oh, my first PET scan. Happy birthday. Right? Right. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. So last year I was diagnosed um, and it's been an interesting story. So I have Hodgkin's lymphoma, classic stage two. Um, but we had a, had a very interesting story with that. I think it, I don't know sure. if it's really that interesting, but <laughs> I was actually misdiagnosed a year ago um, at the end of eight. What day is it? Is it October 28th? 28th. Mm -hmm. Today is the day I was diagnosed actually crazy uh -huh. that's the one year anniversary that's you gotta go get you a cake i think so uh -huh. so well we 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 also learned if you you know um listen to the first episode of our survivors um this is a little different but i'm talking about anniversaries go get you a motorcycle yeah yeah adolfo <laughs> went and bought a motorcycle I love that. I don't know if I need a motorcycle, though. <laughs> so October 28th, I was actually diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, I've learned a lot about that. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is very hard to diagnose compared to Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so um, I was misdiagnosed, and we did six months of treatment, and then we found out it was not working. And so we, I went to a lymphoma specialist in mm -hmm. Dallas mm -hmm. and we they took my case to a panel and we got re-diagnosed so um I was pretty unique with I had markers for both non-Hodgkin's and Hodgkin's mm -hmm. and so um we've changed treatment and I'm on chemo number nine of 12 and so last chemo is November 29th. Can't wait. You're not counting. Nah. What days are you? <laughs> I have three left. And yeah. I, yes, I am counting down for sure. And so, yeah, that's been kind of the last year of my life. Wow. So we talked about you getting your PhD. Were you moved here to the area, correct? Yes. So I moved here three years ago and um, to start my PhD in agriculture at West Texas A&M University. And so I moved here from, I actually did my undergraduate and master's at Oklahoma State in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, go Pokes. Go Pokes. My daughter's there. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> yes, go Pokes. And, but I'm actually from North Missouri, so about 12 hours from here, from Canyon. So did you have any family or friends here when you got diagnosed? No. Well, so I have, I have a support system, mm -hmm. but that support system is made up of 22 to 25 year olds mm -hmm. um so it's definitely a great support system i love my support system but it is not my dad it's not my grandparents you know it family it's a little bit easier to ask 
a lot from your family, especially around the cancer journey. Um, so I had a lot of surgeries. And so my dad made the trip down a lot. And so that's been, that's definitely been the hardest part is not having family close here. Being so young. So Taylor, what is something you've learned through your cancer journey that you would like to share with our survivors? So the number one thing I think I've learned through this entire uh, journey is grace, giving yourself grace. Um, I don't think... So um, my mom actually had Hodgkin's lymphoma and passed away when I was young. And so I grew up living in hospitals. You know, I was six years old and living in hospitals. And so, I, I mean, I had firsthand experience what cancer can do. But then I started going through it. And I just don't think you understand until you're going through it of, you know, the bad days are bad. And it's like, are you going to make it through it? We know we are, but your brain plays tricks on you. And then the good days, what do you do on the good days? Do you ever, if you have five bad days in a row, but that sixth day is great, how do you get yourself up and going? That's been the hardest, but grace of it's okay to have a bad day. Mm -hmm. It's okay to spend all day in bed. It's okay to binge watch your favorite Netflix show. Um, <laughs> Any right. recommendations? Yeah. <laughs> I have lots. <laughs> and But that grace of it's okay to take care of yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that has been a common thread through a lot of our survivor stories, but then also some of our episodes, right? you know, over the last two years is, uh, and, and maybe call it what you want. Give yourself grace. Give yourself permission. Mm-hmm. Give yourself, you know, um, the time to, to, to heal uh, from those treatments. And it's different for each one. As you said, maybe a day or two, maybe five or six days, unfortunately. So uh, what is one resource, if you could say, man, this really helped me out. Is there one resource uh, that's helped you out during all of this? Absolutely. So I'm going to, I'm going to say two. Oh, that's great. And so <laughs> the first one is, so I, I'm getting cancer treatment through BSA Harrington Harrington Cancer Center. And so um, as a 27, 26, 27 year old, the financial portion of this was scary. Sure. Um, so if there's any other graduate students out there, they know I don't, I don't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, I, I'm lucky to be making money. Um, you know, they're paying me to go to school, but it's still not enough. You know, cancer treatments for me individually is $9,000 at chemo, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and give the viewers that's half of my yearly salary, one chemo. And so, um, there are great financial aid counselors through BSA. And that is my number one thing is if you are struggling financially, I know there's many, many people that are out there to help. Don't try and take it on by yourself right? and get help. And yeah. it's, it's nothing to be ashamed. Cancer treatment is expensive and I had no idea I mean you don't know until you're in that yeah until you get that first nine thousand dollar bill and you're like oh my goodness Mm -hmm. but BSA has great financial aid counselors if you get in touch with the right people and just keep trying and then of course here um come see Melanie with the massages. Oh my goodness. She has magical hands. <laughs> Come to the cancer survivorship center and look at the cal- the calendar. And I mean, there's so many great programs and 
Yeah, those appointments with Melanie tend to go quick, and mm-hmm. there's never, ever, ever, rarely is there ever, ever a, a, a cancellation. It's like put it on the calendar, and I might miss maybe a nail appointment, or I might miss whatever, <laughs> right? But I'm not missing the massage with Melanie. Right, but it's also giving yourself permission to have a massage. Yes. Take the time for yourself to heal. Yeah, we're so lucky to have an oncology certified massage therapist uh, that we work with. Um, not just a massage therapist, oncology certified. It's it's that important. Yeah. So we can't we can't agree more with you. <laughs> Great resources. And um, what are when you were first diagnosed? What was something that someone said that comforted you? So um, I've thought about it this this question a lot, and I think um, I think a lot of I think people try and comfort you, and I really hated that portion. I'm just gonna be honest. Telling people that you have cancer is one of the hard. I've never done anything harder in my life, and I mean I'm getting a third. I'm getting a doctoral in agriculture, and tell I could only tell three people a day. Cause that was all the emotions I could handle. And so I think, um, it was hard for me to listen to other people when I first got diagnosed, but, um, the most important thing I think I've been told is, um, is accepting that chemo is, has been hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that sounds silly, but I think the other cancer survivors will understand what I mean is, you, you try and trick your body into saying, no, I'm normal. I'm fine. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And um, my therapist, actually, I highly recommend therapy also. Go talk to someone. And my therapist co- was like, if you saw someone with a broken leg, would you force them to go down the stairs and up the stairs? And I was like, well, of course not. They have a broken leg. They can't use that leg. And she's like, so why are you forcing yourself when you're going through chemo to do go up the stairs or mm-hmm. that? So using kind of using that in analogy of when you see someone's outward physical um, illness or, you know, whatever, you, we don't we don't question it. Right. But a lot of people question chemo patients because, well, can't see it you can't see it mm-hmm. i mean you looking at see, me you can't see fatigue yeah you can't see uh neuropathy, neuropathy. you can't see this Ill- nausea, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and so um i think a lot of i i think the general public or you know my friends and stuff would see me and i was acting normal and so i felt like i needed to be normal when I w- i'm not normal i'm going through chemotherapy right. <laughs> and so that that analogy helped me so so much that's a really powerful analogy. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sitting here thinking about that. It is. It's very powerful. I'm also reminded, and I'll bring this up. I know we've brought this up several times about the spoon theory. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you, Taylor, have you ever heard about this? I have so, not okay, heard it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share this with you. You can throw it in the trash if it's worthless, but maybe it'll be it'll be something you can use. Um, go back to uh, season one, maybe like episode two or three. Might even have been episode. Three. Yeah, Three. with Mary Margaret Gertie. Um, she enlightened us about the spoon theory, mm-hmm. where if you have five spoons through the day to get you through the day, and you spend one getting out of bed, and you spend two more, you know, doing things around the house or whatever the case may be, you just, you know, you only have two spoons left. 
And so you have to plan your day. If you know that t- tonight you have to go to a meeting or you have to do, so you, you budget your day based on your energy level and your ability to do based on spoons and or forks or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But it was called the spoon theory. So, you know, you only have five spoons a day. What are you going to spend your spoons on? So um, that's what's reminded me of that really quick because um, giving yourself the grace to uh, relax and or be ill and lay down and do whatever uh, is very similar. So Taylor, did you find your friends can understand exactly what you were going through? Absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think, I I don't think anyone can understand and even cancer patient to cancer patient. um, I, I've, I've been making some friends at the cancer center while I get my treatment and well, I'll just be honest. They're all, 50 years older than me, (laughs) 40, 50 years older than me. But I love that. I think I'm an old soul, but you know, um, it's even hard for me to relate to the 50 year olds getting chemo and, um, I, and cancer patient to cancer patient. I, it's so, it blows my mind that chemo affects someone so differently. And, um, it's a mental game. Like I was telling you out there was it's a mental game of, am I going to be sick or not? I figured that out the last, the first five chemos. I, I don't, I don't think it was as serious, but the sixth through nine has been a very much mental game of dealing with chemo with, um, anxiety. Oh my goodness. I, I never thought I could have more anxiety than I already did before chemo, but that anxiety of, I know I'm getting chemo. I know it's going to make me feel bad. I know I'm going to get nauseous. Oh my goodness. Is that a mental game or not? Waiting for it to hit. Yes. And the smells and tastes that's that. I mean, I'm guessing it's just as bad for other people and, you can't explain how the smell of saline can make you throw up sitting here until I mean, it's saline, right? It has no smell. It does. Let me, mean, it does have a very specific and, smell. And I would imagine our <laughs> listeners are saying, Oh yes, it does. Oh. Now, does it have a taste for you when they flush your port? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That taste of, yeah. As soon I know they access my port when I can taste the saline. Yeah. And so, um, I've been trying a lot of different things. Um, I've started using essential oils during chemotherapy, mm-hmm. but for the listeners, pick a smell that you're okay. Never using again in your life. For me, I've used orange. Um, I, I would have not thought about that, but when you said it, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I refuse to use like eucalyptus or lavender because I love that smell and I'm not about to ruin, ruin it. it. You don't want to ruin <laughs> it. I want to associate that smell with your treatment. Totally exactly. Orange it, would be a good one because it's pretty powerful. And yeah, it's not something that unless you just eat a lot of oranges, you're not going to, it's, it's okay to let go. That that's the one I was most okay with letting go. <laughs> Very smart. Very smart. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for sharing your stories. I know our listeners appreciate it. And, and we're glad that our survivors tell their stories. Yes. It, it, it makes a difference. Um, it, you know, just in listening to you, I would imagine someone out there goes, I never thought about that. That's what I need to do. Or they pocket that, and the next time they see someone or hear someone who's going through treatment, I heard this lady told me, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it, it, it just perpetuates and keeps going. So 
um, there's always something to learn from a survivor. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Pam, our next guest is uh, rounding out this episode. And uh, uh, it's someone I, I got the, the pleasure of going to the hockey game with and helping her get out to uh, center ice and drop the hockey puck. So I wonder if that will come up in this discussion or not. That's just a, we will have to a little see. side note, a little side note. So uh, Carol Duncan is joining us on, on our podcast. Carol, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, let's just start, and as we've done with all of our survivors, and just uh, let our listeners know what type of cancer uh, you were diagnosed with and when you were diagnosed. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in January of 2020, just while COVID was hitting us. Yeah. The world wasn't quite shut down yet. No, but as soon as I finally came to grips with my diagnosis, everything was shut down. I know that had to be hard. It's hard enough, right, going through cancer, throw in everything shutting down and everything virtual and no one's allowed to go with you and it's just you and all of those things. Was there um, anything that really helped you out with all of that, being that it was such a compounded, convoluted mess? I have some fantastic cul-de-sac neighbors. And so they made sure that I had things we could do outside. Mm. Um, we walked. There's one neighbor that we walked every morning. She'd call, how are you feeling? You up to walking? Yeah. And we walked every morning. Yeah. It's finding that special community. Outdoors, to especially yeah. during that time. Yeah. Yes. So, Carol, what is something that you've learned through your cancer journey that you would like to share with our listeners? It has to be a one-day-at-a-time thing. You can't worry about tomorrow because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So you look for the one little positive thing that you can accomplish today, do it, and feel good and move on. One step at a time. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and we may have just talked about this just a second ago, but was there something that you could put your finger on through all of your cancer journey that you would say, this was the best resource for me, or this helped me out the most? My daughter gave me a book. It's called Pretty Sick. And it went through uh, diagnosis through more of probably what I will go through here a little bit later. Yeah. So there was, it's very um, everyday language, very little medical talk. So it was easy to understand. So went through, highlighted, underlined, starred, mm. all that good stuff in it. Yeah. You know, oftentimes um, here, I'm always concerned about the things that I say to patients. Um, was there something that someone said to you that was comforting when you were diagnosed? Yes. Um, I do my morning Bible reading and had gone through a, a couple of verses in Deuteronomy and went to work later that day. And I had a customer who I have no idea who her, her name is. Her face is familiar. Her name, I don't know. Um, she said, just remember, God won't leave you and he's got this. Don't be afraid. Now, had so. she known that you were diagnosed? Yes, she had, but no, she didn't know that that's what I had read that morning. Mm -hmm. 
kind so, of an odd thing, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And have you seen yeah. her since? I have. She comes in every couple of months and always asks how I'm doing. When I was on leave for six months, she asked my coworkers how I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, Carol, you've come to a lot of things here at the center. Um, for our listeners thinking, oh, maybe I don't really want to come. I'm nervous. Can you give them one class just to try out? One class to try out would be nutrition. Nutrition. Mm. Nutrition. You know, I'm always afraid to go to nutrition because <laughs> I don't know what we're going to eat. But for some reason, Whitney uh, makes it taste so good. I know. She does. And it's things with ingredients that I can find. It's easy to understand. And, of course, we get to taste test at the and, end. And, yes. and there's no judgment either. No, there's not. You know, when you think about nutrition and you think about nutrition class, you think, uh, she's not going to like that I had that big greasy cheeseburger, you know, whatever the case may be, or, you know, oh, there, no. As, as Whitney will tell you, and we always talk about, Whitney is the cool dietitian. <laughs> <laughs> I always learn so much from her, so. I know, yeah. I know. I, I was really disappointed, though, Carol, you didn't say the hockey game. Well, that wasn't a class. That was an activity. <laughs> Carol was the uh, star of the show, as yes, we said. She was. Yeah, that was fun. And that's one of those, as we talked about earlier, uh, those mental uh, escapes or mini vacations or whatever they may be that uh, just allow you to have fun. It's not always about learning nutrition or, or exercise. We have a lot of fun activities, too. Yes. Yes. The hockey game was a good one. And the glass blowing was fun also. Yes. Now, what did you make at the glass blowing? Uh, the flower. The flower. Yeah. And they all turned out so pretty. They did. Yes. They did. You know, and if you're sitting here thinking, I, I want to know what they're talking about. What is, what are they talking about? Fun activities, glass blowing. Mm-hmm. I, right, Pam? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's enlighten some of our listeners. Yes, we have lots of activities. We try to give you a little mini escape and give you an evening out where you can go hang out with other cancer survivors. Rarely do we ever talk about cancer at those activities, but we always come um, back with usually something to take home, like the glass blowing. We learned how to do um, the glass blowing art, which was very um, interesting and fun and quite hot for some. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was perfect. <laughs> Carol and I like that heat, yes. And we've done fly fishing. We've done um, art by Valerie Weiner Massey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, flower arranging, flower arranging yes. wreath making, wreath making. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like all the things. All, that oh did. gosh, all the things. You know, um, here um, in November, we're going to do the walk in the gardens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at the Botanical Gardens where it's just for cancer survivors. Yeah, with and, all the Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's fun. And, and the hot chocolate. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. <laughs> We got to get the perfect weather for that. I know, I know. There's always something going on that is a um, a fun activity, and usually, Pam, what I like about it is it's something that um, you're less likely to just go do on your own, right? You know, you know and Ryan, we just planned for all next year, so um, I'm excited about yes. next year's events. There will be a lot. There will be some new ones mm-hmm. and some exciting ones. So, how do you get um, information? Yeah, about that? Uh, you. It's simple and very easy to get involved here. 
you can go to our website, the number two four survivorship.org. Uh, you can see the calendar there. Uh, you also can uh, send us an email and send us, you know, by sending us an email and saying, I need to be on your mailing list, we will make sure that you're on our email list that you get our calendar uh, emailed to you. If you have questions or you need RSVP for some of the fun activities and things that we do, uh, the simplest and easiest way to do that is to call Maribel. Uh, and it's 806-331-2400. Real simple, real easy. Give her a call. She'll get you on the email list so that you get the calendar. Uh, usually it's a week or two uh, before the turn of the month. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you get the sneak peek and get everything going on there. Um, it's it's just an easy, simple way. We make it very easy for you to be a part of. There's no paperwork really to fill out. Um, doesn't matter uh, where you've been diagnosed. Doesn't matter where you've been treated. Uh, you live in the 26 counties of the Texas Panhandle. We have resources for you. And I have a burning question. Yes. How much is it? It's entirely free, Pam. We had to throw that in there. I know. Always do. Always do. You know, I I have enjoyed these these two episodes, and by no means is this all the survivors we see. No. Um, you know, uh, th- this is just a small sampling, and I think the, the beautiful thing about it is I would venture to say if you've listened to both of, the, of these episodes, you see a common thread, and, um, you know, it's survivors caring for survivors and um, being there for each other. You know, they were just the brave ones to come into the studio. <laughs> I know. I, I'm going to... I'm. I'm just going to guess it's probably you and not me. Mm, I don't know. We'll have to take a poll on that. <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned for that, right? Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this these couple of episodes talking to our survivors and listening to survivor stories. Uh, if you're a survivor, obviously, and you weren't on, this, on our podcast, it's important to tell and share your story. Um, however you choose to do that, uh, it's very important um, because you never know, as we've said, you never know when you're going to touch someone and share that information with them. So uh, let let other survivors that you know know about our podcast, and then make sure you join us here next week for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.